Hello and welcome to the first off-season episode of Painting the Padres. Uh, today, Logan and I are going to take a look at uh, some holes the Padres have to fill this off-season and how they might go about that with free agency trades, what have you. Um, after a very successful season, Padres are looking to take the final couple steps here and uh, put a World Series contender on the field. So first of all, what do you think the biggest holes on this roster are at the moment? I think the biggest, there's there's two big holes. Um, and for me, that's the fifth spot in the rotation and a mixture of left or first base. And while I know that's technically two holes in itself, which would you know account to three total holes, the reality is Tatis can kind of negate one of those in a sense. Like we don't have to get a first baseman. We can put Tatis at short, Kim at second, Cronenworth at first, and then we just have to fill left field. Or we can push Tatis to right, move Soto to left, and that technically fills those holes. Um, but yeah, I think I don't think that's necessarily the smartest move, either one of those, to just rely on that. So in my eyes, I think a fifth starter is huge. Um, maybe a guy who projects more as a three would be great. You need a first baseman. I kind of like keeping Cronenworth at second. Designated hitter is probably um, one that we're going to be looking at. I don't see us going revolving door with that, with at least the roster we currently have. And then left field seems like a, a pretty big hole. Wouldn't you agree? Definitely, yeah. As it stands right now, left field is probably the biggest hole with Tatis as an infielder. So, yeah, given that, it comes now down to how do we fill those holes? Um, the Padres have already addressed the bullpen issue, um, which really wasn't a huge issue. There wasn't like, we have to fill this hole. We have guys that can fill it, but there was Mm -hmm. definitely some concern with that back half of the bullpen. Um, how can we bridge to hater with just Luis Garcia? Does Drew Pomerantz come back as a late inning guy? You can't really trust him though with his injury history. Um, you know, I could see Steven Wilson stepping up, but again, that's risky, but they address that in a big way, uh, signing Robert Suarez back on a five-year deal. Um, only one of three relievers in baseball right now with three-year contracts. That would be Emmanuel Classe and Edwin Diaz. And then you have Nick Martinez, who was just signed, who it sounds like they're going to go try to make him a starter. Um, there really hasn't been like a verbal, like, yeah, he's going to be a starter. It, it, you know, Preller has alluded to it, but there's been reports that the front office is kind of split on that. Some see him as a more valuable uh, reliever piece, though, my opinion, and I'm curious what you think, I'm giving him the, the starting rotation spot. And if he loses it again like he did last year, okay. But I think his pitch mix now is going to play better in the starting rotation than it did when he first came up with us. Yeah, I'm not as convinced as you are, but I agree that you kind of have to give him the opportunity at the beginning of the year to start because you just gave him this contract and he's a lot more valuable to you if he's a, an effective starting pitcher uh, than just out of the bullpen. Yes, he did add the sinker. Um, I'm still somewhat concerned with his velocity as a starter and the fact that his changeup is really his only uh, out pitch off speed wise. The cutter didn't really do much. It was somewhat effective against lefties, but really not throwable to righties very much. Um, The curveball was decent. It got better as the year progressed. Hopefully he can retain that form as he moves back into a starting role because he really found his curveball when he moved to the pen. Um, And then, yeah, the sinker is going to be a big pitch for him to uh, combat righties diving out over the plate. So 
I certainly hope he can be a starter. He's obviously a great guy, great clubhouse presence, and um, was a huge part of the team last year. So definitely rooting for him to earn that starting job, but I'm not completely sold that he will. Yeah, I think with Nick, it's it's a huge X factor is what does the curveball look like in the starting role? Because like you said, as the year progressed, that curveball got to be a pretty devastating pitch. There was numerous guys that would chase it in the dirt. And while the eye test, you look at it and you're not thinking, wow, this is a devastating curveball. For whatever reason, guys chase that pitch. Um, righties and lefties alike, they liked it in the dirt. And he used it there. So, you know, he must throw it really tight. And he didn't completely give up on the four seam either. And he can't. If he, if he uses the four seam up in the zone, um, like up and away mostly, he can use it. And if he you know throws it you know in on on lefties a little bit here and there after maybe throwing a couple cutters in, you know I could see it being useful. But yeah, I think Nick Martinez. I, I definitely like him. I'm bullish on him as a starting pitcher for sure. I think he has that potential to be a good four starter for us this year and and maintain that. And I look at it this way too, right? Like. You know, where does that, assuming we get one more starter, because it seems like we probably will, do we have the money, the resources to get a sixth starter? Because if we don't, I don't see how Jay Groom necessarily projects as a better option than Nick Martinez in many facets. You know, maybe more Hohen steps up, but I just, it doesn't seem like they're really even going to try him in the starting rotation anymore as a, as a guy who can, you know, be a, a long-term 162 uh, day-a-season guy. So where are they going to get that other starter if they don't let him be in the rotation? That's very true. Yeah, I mean, that's that's also another reason why you have to give him the starting role is just because you don't have too many options. Um, currently, the depth chart is Darvish, Snell, Musgrove in some order at the top, and then Martinez in four. And then the fifth starter spot is currently Jay Groom, Ryan Weathers, Adrian Morihone at this point. And they all have potential, certainly. I mean, we saw what Weathers did the first half of his rookie year. It was outstanding. Groom has been a top prospect in the past. And Morihone also was a top prospect and has shown flashes in the bullpen for sure. But none of those guys, they're all question marks, you know, at the same time. They're not, they're not guys that you feel comfortable handing the ball to every fifth day for a, a pennant-winning team. So... Definitely going to be looking for outside options. Um, you want to get into what those options might be now? Yeah, so I think it's headlined by uh, Sanga, the big overseas prospect. Um, and that seems to be one of the top guys for every team that is not looking at the DeGroms, Rodon, or Verlander of the world. Um, yeah, Senga is super interesting. I would love him. I'm huge on him. He's, you know, sitting in the upper nines with his fastball, the ability to touch 101, 102. Now, you know, are the guns hot? They might be, but still, he probably has that ability for sure with a devastating splitter. Um, an issue with Senga is obviously that third pitch. Will it come in the form of a slider, cutter-ish pitch? I don't know. Can Darvish kind of help him out, maybe shape it a little bit differently, find that grip? I could totally see that happening. Um and, and, you know, I th- the, the biggest concern is 100% control, which it is with a lot of guys. That's nothing new nowadays. And does he have a third pitch to be a starting pitcher um, in Major League Baseball? In my opinion, he does. If he has a devastating splitter and he throws that hard, I believe in Niebla, I believe in Darvish um, to help him, Musgrove, Snell, 
I believe one of those guys is going to be able to help him develop that slider to the point where all of a sudden it's a legit pitch. Yeah, so lots of interesting stuff about Senga. He's 30 years old, so it's going to be a little interesting to see how long teams are going to be willing to give him, how many years uh, of contract they're going to be willing to hand out. But yeah, as you said, the, the hard fastball, the devastating splitter, one thing to keep in mind is pitchers coming over from Japan have struggled a little bit with the different ball because in Japan, the ball is a little tackier. It has a little higher seams. And so pitchers who tend to spin the ball a lot have had a bit of an adjustment period with their off-speed pitches, their sliders, their curveballs. But since Senga's primary pitches are a fastball and a splitter, he really shouldn't have too much of an issue with that adjustment. So that's another thing to keep in mind. And then the big thing, the big advantage the Padres apparently have, seem to have, is that Kodai Senga pitched for the Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks um, in NPB, which is the same team that Nick Martinez pitched for and the same team that Robert Suarez pitched for, not to mention that Yu Darvish, who is a complete like celebrity in Japan for his pitching there, um, would be his rotation mate. And also... Um, Hideo Nomo is in the Padres organization as a special advisor. So it would be, there's lots of connections there for Senga. Um, it seems like on paper, probably the most, uh, appealing fit for him. He said he wants to play in a competitive environment and obviously the Padres, uh, will have a good chance, as good a chance of anybody as putting a, uh, at, you know, putting together a winning team and, and going all the way. So it certainly looks very, very, very good on paper. Whether the Padres are willing to commit the kind of money that he's going to command uh, is a question mark, but he's definitely A1 on the list of, of reasonable options for sure. Yeah, and with that money issue, it's going to be interesting because we don't know where the Padres stand financially. You know, they're really close to the luxury tax, especially now after the Robert Suarez and Nick Martinez signings. It's pretty inevitable at this point that they're going to go over for a third straight year, which seemed kind of obvious. However, Kevin Acey had an article saying, you know, oh, they're not going to spend more than $25 million this offseason, which was clearly wrong and shouldn't come as a shock anymore that Acey is putting out false reports. But still, like, we don't know exactly where their, their threshold is, you know, where we're able to go. Um and signing Sanga to anywhere of a North contract of $15 million, which I assume he's going to get more than $15 million AAV, I think that's pretty safe to say. Does that allow us to be flexible in the corner outfield, first base DH market? Um, maybe the Padres are okay with running out one of those lineups where Cronenworth is at first or Tatis is in right field with Soto and left, and all they have to do is fill two other holes and they can you know, maybe try to make a smart trade or an underrated under-the-radar signing. I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see how that financial aspect comes into play because it's going to for sure. Um, yeah. Um, no, go ahead. Um, I think both of us were kind of a little curious about how these finances would play out, and we both kind of had our little roster projections that we tried to play with. Um, and it became clear pr- pretty quickly that Preller is not going to be able to fill all of these holes via free agency unless he completely blows past probably two levels of the luxury tax, which I don't see as very likely. Um, Because, you know, he's already signed Martinez, already signed Suarez. That puts us at about 230 
luxury tax wise with the first threshold being 233 you've still got left field first base dh and and we've already said you can kind of negate one of left field and first base so signing a major league caliber left fielder or you know just hitter in general you know the padres are not going to sign someone like they would have in the past, you know, like a, a John Jay, like, you know, some veteran guy coming off of the down year trying to bounce back, Ian Kinsler, something, you know, they're going to sign someone who's who's going to be productive. And that doesn't come cheap. It's going to be at least 15 million. So right there, that's entire that's your whole budget. So you can't sign two of those guys. And there's no point signing two guys for 7 million because as we like you you need someone who's going to be guaranteed to be productive. So that final spot, whether it's one of first base, DH, left field, you might fill two, one internally using Tatis creatively and one via free agency, but the third one's going to have to be a trade. Oh, completely. And I look at that market, and we're going to get into the outfield market later on, but it just doesn't make sense in my mind to sign an outfielder. Um, and I'd, I'd much rather spend that, that money elsewhere, and I think there's smarter people to sign. Uh, that rely that remain in the infield and, and starting pitching market, um, but yeah, let's kind of continue on that starting pitching market. Uh, Senga obviously deserves his own little segment there because of the impact and the uniqueness of his situation. Um, and, and you know, we go down the list. Obviously, we're not going to be in on the big guys of Eovaldi, Chris Bassett of the world. You know that that range of guys. I don't I see us. Yeah. T- well, I don't know. I think. I think Ivaldi and Bassett might get a little bit more years, um, especially Ivaldi. I'm kind of out on Ivaldi uh, and Bassett. I could see Tyone getting lower AAV more years based on his age, um, and if that's the case, if he ends up being a lower AAV guy, that puts us in the market. Though if he goes for you know four, three, four years of fifteen million, again, not sure if we go in on that. I don't know if we see that upside per se. Um, you can look at a guy like a, a Corey Kluber um, on a one-year deal. Do the Potters like him? That's someone that I've definitely thrown around there. How would you feel about Kluber? I'd be all right with it. Um, honestly, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that we don't really sign an established starter. And I think we okay. run out more at home slash groom slash weathers in spring training and in the beginning parts of the season. And hope that one of those guys steps up. If they don't, we'll probably go big at the trade deadline. Okay, yeah, and that's definitely something I've I've pondered as well because at some point you do have to just say we trust our development, we trust our guys. Now, Jake Room did look pretty good with us last year after the trade for Eric Hosmer. Um, you know, he wasn't special, but he looked serviceable down there in AAA. Um, I definitely think he and, and as the depth charts. Uh, project probably has the best shot at that rotation spot though again it'd be really interesting to ask what they're looking at with Morahone. that's a big question mark because mm-hmm. if they see him as a starter maybe our rotation set yeah i just don't see how they can see that because he's been electric at times out of the pen but not near consistent enough his control has been pretty poor and he just doesn't have even a second pitch. Like you saw it in the playoffs that he only relied on his fastball when he needed to, to have an out pitch, the slider, he couldn't control very well. The curveball was just loopy. And for some reason he ditched the change up. Um, 
So if he's going to be a starter, he needs to put in some serious work this offseason with Niebla developing those off-speed pitches um, and also just building up stamina. Oh, completely. Um, yeah, so this is a little... Okay, uh, we have a little bit of breaking news here on Pod. Um, a very oh, interesting... Oh, it's not an MVP breaking news. We have a trade no, here okay. between the Seattle oh. Mariners and the Arizona Diamondbacks, though it's not the Padres thing. Wait, I think wait, it's wait, worth let me noting. guess, let me guess. Okay. Uh, is it an outfielder from Arizona? It, from Arizona? Yeah. Yes, it is an outfielder from Arizona. Okay, right. Should be, because they have a bazillion. But the Mariners also have a bunch of outfielders. Interesting. Hmm. All right, give it to me. Okay. It is Arizona outfielder slash catcher Cooper Hummel going to Seattle for Kyle Lewis. Wow. Yeah. Double outfielder swap. You have just a straight... Straight swap. That's out. a baseball trade. Yeah. Wow. We got two of them. We're so lucky. Well, Depoto is kind of famous for that. But yeah, the Teoscar trade was two contending teams. Not that Arizona is really a contending team, but a one-for-one swap here. Um, interesting. Hummel has more, probably two more years of control than Lewis. So interesting deal there. I mean, obviously, Kyle Lewis doesn't really have a spot in the Seattle starting outfield, but... Um, Interesting deal, nonetheless. Okay, back on track. Padres news. Well, unback on track. More Padres okay. news. Manny Machado does not win MVP. It does wow. go to Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. Um, I'll let you know how that voting looks once it comes across here. But just thought I would, thought I would put that out there. I know, I know. Not a shock, but feels a little bit. Uh... Oh, he did finish in second. Manny okay. did get second place. He got seven first place votes. So he All did right. get second place. Seven people are off the blacklist. Yep, seven people. So, coming for you. Yeah. Let's get back to this episode, though. Sorry, a little. That was some right. news that were important there, but yeah. Um, so, okay, I said I just said that I thought we would uh, stand pat, but if we do go out and get someone, I have an interesting target, and I already talked about this with Logan off pod, but I would like to see us go after Zach Eflin. Um with the Phillies for the, his whole career so far. He has been kind of decimated by injuries the last few years. He has a balky knee. Um, but And he also hasn't even been that effective when he's pitched. He has an ERA of about four the last few years. But you saw him in the bullpen this postseason. He was great uh, at the back end of that Phillies bullpen in the playoffs. And there's a few things I like about him. One, he should be fairly cheap because... He's not coming off, you know, some super extended run of success. Um, his best success was in the bullpen, but he would like to be a starter, similar to Martinez. Um, but the thing I really like about him is he throws a heavy, heavy sinker, gets a lot of ground balls, and our defense should be a very, very, very strong point in the infield because we've got Manny, obviously, at third some iteration of Tatis Cronenworth Kim up the middle um, and possibly even with Cronenworth at first base as well. So I think that would be a great add at the back of our bullpen. And also he can be that swing guy as well. We can kind of try him and Martinez out in the rotation 
if both of them stick great if one of them doesn't we can move them to the pen um i think that would be a very kind of uh elegant way to fill out the rotation no i agree with you again we'll just see what kind of money he he uh gets here and, and that'll affect a lot um, you know, we could always just go right back to Clevenger and Mania too. I could see that happening. There's been rumblings that they've been talking. Um, obviously, those two struggled with us last year, but I, I personally would not want Mania back. I don't see too much upside in him getting a, a ton better. However, I do like the idea of Clevenger. Another year removed from Tommy. Uh, Niebla clearly likes him. They've already been working out this offseason, so I could see that reunion coming into play here, but... You know, there's also rumors that he's going to get multiple years, which is definitely a no-go for me. So, yeah, the starting pitching market's interesting. I do feel like we go free agent route here, um, though I'm sure there will be guys available. This feels like a fairly certain free agent market. It's a, it's um, a very solid free agent starting pitcher market, which we haven't seen in the last few years. Yeah, there's there's guys from all levels of, of productivity, and there's lots of guys throughout that, so... There will be guys that are available late that are going to have to go for under market value for that exact reason. Um, and, you know, it should be fun. It should be a fun fun starting pitching market in general. So, um, you know, like we said, the bullpen kind of figured itself out at this point. I don't see us doing too much more than maybe a, a non-major league invitee type of situation there. Um, yeah, let me just go through the bullpen real quick. So now yeah. that Suarez is back, it's going to be Hater. Closing Suarez, setting up Garcia also in that role. Pomerantz also another kind of factor in that role. And then probably Hill as a lefty specialist, Krismat and Wilson rounding it out. And that's a very solid pen. There's nothing wrong with that pen. I would feel confident with that group going into the playoffs. Yeah, no, 100%. And again, the bullpen is easy to uh, easy to trade for come deadline as well if, you know, assuming injuries Absolutely, and whatnot yeah. and... And we do have depth there, for sure. There's guys that um, we have down in the minors, uh, as you know, Michelle Baez yes. this year. You know, Jose Castillo will be an interesting guy, for sure. Kevin um, Copps, even. Yeah, Kevin Copps, if they can develop him a little bit better. If Ryan Weathers can kind of figure it out, he could be a useful lefty. So there's guys in there, for sure. Angel Felipe, that's a name to watch out for. Um, so anyway, um, moving on from the arms here, let's kind of get to that big looming question because this determines a lot what are you going to do with fernando tatis jr once he comes back because we can figure out the first 20 games of the season honestly i think at this point that's the last thing on Prowler's mind i think he is going to look for the best deal he can get and whether that's a corner outfielder or a first baseman that will probably determine where tatis plays because you know that he wants to be a shortstop but at this point his wants are very low on the uh, totem pole of considerations because he pretty much lost all of his uh, influence, I would say, or all of his uh, credibility, I guess, with all of his mess-ups last year. So I think they're probably comfortable playing him in the outfield. They're comfortable playing him at short. There was even some speculation of playing him at second, although I highly doubt that actually comes to pass. Um, so I think Preller's feeling pretty free here to either pursue an outfielder or a first baseman. And if he gets a first baseman, he'll probably put Tatis in right. If he gets an outfielder, he probably put him in short. So, um, 
yeah, I, I don't think that's going to be too much of a consideration, honestly. Yeah, I think that's a great point. So let's kind of look at some of the potential options on the free agent market that could fill either one of those holes. Um, I think there's an obvious potential reunion with two guys, Josh Bell and, and Brandon Drury. Both guys would fill the DH or first base hole. Um, just natural fits, been here. We obviously have the connection with them at this point. I definitely prefer Drury over Bell. Um, but, you know, if worst comes to worst late in the offseason, Bell hasn't signed and we still need a guy, uh, I'm okay with Bell. Do you Are you opposed to going after either one of those guys or are you kind of just wanting to move on from them? No, I'd be fine with either one of them. Again, yeah, probably, as you said, more Drury than Bell. Uh, more from a price point kind of uh, angle there. Bell is just a little too streaky of a hitter for my tastes, although he's he's proven himself effective in the past, for sure, for long stretches of time. Uh, and Drury comes with his own question marks because last year was such a career year for him. Um, you're a little worried of, of some regression there. But, yeah, I'd be fine with either. Bell has a switch-hitting bat, which makes him valuable. Drury's pretty much just a, a lefty masher. Um so I'd be okay with either of them at the right price range for Drury. That's probably like two for 18, maybe. Um, and then for Bell, it's probably like three for 32 or something like that. But I think we can also get creative with other options for sure. Yeah, 100%. I think the big name that people were hoping we might get was Anthony Rizzo. Obviously, yeah. that's out the door now um, with him signing back with New York. Jose Abreu's probably Peterson was another one. Um, he accepted the qualifying offer though from the Giants, so he's off as well. Yeah, and I think it's also important to note that I feel like, like you said, Prellers wants to get creative. And when G-Man Choi was traded to the Pirates, it did come out that Preller had checked in on him. Now we don't know the level of checking inness that that was, but that tells you something. He is okay with, you know, maybe punting on first base in a sense and getting a guy who plays as a lefty uh, just to face the righties. And then when a, you know, once a righty is back in, uh, or excuse me, when a lefty's on the mound, you know, maybe we you know can move some guys around to tease back to the infield, Chrono mm-hmm. over the first type of deal. So with that in mind, you look at kind of the lower level guys on this list, and I don't see us pursuing Yuli Gurriel or a Jesus Aguilar type. Um, but do you think there's any interest level in a guy like Brandon Belt? He's old, but... You know, he's proven that he can hit within the last two years. Yeah, he's also proven that his knee will not hold up. Um, right. So, I don't know. He got another surgery this off season or at the, at the end of the season, and he says he's feeling great, but I wouldn't put too much into that. Um, I might give him a one-year pillow contract, but I'm not giving him multiple years, and I'm not giving him more than probably eight to ten million. Um, I could definitely see. So yeah, we missed out on Troy, but I think if we got Troy, as you said, it would probably be a platoon situation. I could definitely feel good about a platoon of uh, Troy and Brandon Drury or something like that, a lefty-righty platoon there with somebody sliding to DH. Um, yeah, there's. There's options as well. Another name I've heard kind of thrown about on the trade market in terms of a, a lefty first baseman would be Seth Brown of the A's. Um, 
I think he can also play some corner outfield. So he would be a good fit on paper. Um, not a not a very household name, but he's been productive, especially against righties in his career. And obviously with the A's, everybody who's making any money is available. I think he's probably in his first year of arbitration, so still very cheap money-wise, uh, which would mean very expensive prospect-wise to pry him away. Uh, but that's an option as well. Totally. And and I think kind of the last guy that we need to touch on here is another reunion guy. That'd be Will Myers. Now, he's yeah. not going to cost a lot, and he's a guaranteed one-year deal guy. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I would say this. If we had gotten G-Man Choi, I'd be full force going for Myers as a platoon guy right there. But I don't know. It's... I love Myers, and I think he's one of the greatest people and one of the greatest, you know, Padres that we've grown up to see. Um, and you know, Myers is great. My one of my first jerseys that I that I got once I got older. But is he really gonna be okay if he's not a platoon guy? It feels too risky. Yeah, I mean, no, I certainly wouldn't get him to play him every day. That's that's for sure. Um, that was kind of who I was talking about when I said we're not gonna sign someone for. $8 million, you know, one in each in left field or first base. Um, I could see us, yeah, using him in a platoon. Honestly, like, do you think playing just Myers against lefties and just Drury against lefties, do you think there's much of a difference there? Yeah, I think I think Drury has a little bit more dependability in terms of overall contact. Um, I don't see him having as much up and down as Myers, but not a ton, especially with Drury expecting to regress, not a ton. The only difference really for me between those two, if the, if it's just a straight platoon situation is man, Myers just can, seems to get hurt a lot. Um, and Drury seems more dependable and mm. I would be more comfortable playing Drury every day than I would Myers. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, Drury will probably hold his own against righties more than Myers would. Um, Myers is a better defender at first base, but obviously not a premium defensive position. So, yeah, just throwing it out there. It's not. I wouldn't be shocked if we re-signed Myers at 7 or $8 million for a year. I uh, also wouldn't be shocked if we signed Drury for probably two years at that price point. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you on that end. Um It'll be an interesting decision for Preller to make because what about left field now? I think that's kind of the obvious next gap um, because any of those guys that play first can DH and you know we can get creative there. But you know if we look at left field, I think one of the big guys that we should talk about and start with, in my opinion, because of the fact that they just traded an outfielder for an outfielder again and it was a lefty outfielder is Jesse Winker. Um to me, the Hummel trade, uh, going after a guy like that who has that versatility to play a lot of different outfield positions, leads me to believe that they're confident that Winker is going to be out of their, out of the off their team come regular season time. Uh, yeah, that would be an interesting fit. It would be a buy low for sure. Do you trust that he gets back to form, or what are you feeling about Winker? I don't know. Honestly, I don't really like the player that much i thought his breakout with the reds was a little fluky 
um, and probably a little dependent on that bandbox of a ballpark. There's also been some questions about his makeup, his attitude. So, I mean, it would certainly be a buy low. And if the Mariners are willing to deal him for a bag of chips, I would certainly be on board with that. Um, I don't think he's like, you know, a clubhouse cancer or something. But injury prone and questions about his offense, not a, not a good defender for sure. And also the questions about his makeup. He's not super attractive probably making what's he making like 12 million or something in arbitration 14 million he's no no he's at like 8 million oh okay so that's more affordable um i don't know i mean i wouldn't be opposed to it but i also wouldn't give up anyone of note well not that there really is anyone of note in our farm system but um (laughs) yeah yeah, no, totally agree with you there. I wonder if, and this is just speculatively speaking, uh, trying to get creative here. You know, we know Drew Pomerantz is out about similarly to uh, to Winker. They're both on one-year exp- expiring contracts. I wonder if the Mariners would be okay with swapping that contract-wise. That would save the Padres some money. I know that would be ideal for the Padres. Um, and I wonder if the Padres feel confident enough in Morahone, Hill, uh, Castillo, the left and hater, obviously, now the the lefties that they do have, and can maybe reallocate some money away from the pen and towards the the team that's going to be on the field all one sixty two. Um, I don't know. I, I could see that coming into play. Obviously, a bigger name prospect would probably have to go in return. But um, what do you what do you think about that? You think that Preller might get creative with Palm? I think he might. I don't think the um, Mariners will really bite on that. They just traded away from their bullpen, so they obviously feel that that is a strength for them. I don't think Pomerantz is super appealing to them, uh, a guy who hasn't pitched in basically a year and a half. So I think we could get creative with him. I don't think the Mariners are a, a great fit for him, somebody uh, with a weaker bullpen. Honestly, maybe the Phillies could be uh, a partner, but I don't see that as incredibly likely. I think it's probably likelier that we stand pat and uh, go after someone cheaper in a, in a trade. Yeah, no, I think that's probably fair to say. So there's a lot of outfield options on the free agent market, for sure, that could fill the hole. Um, a popular name on Padres Twitter, for whatever reason, seems to be Joey Gallo as a buy low guy. Um, <laughs> obviously, Andrew Benintendi has been thrown around, though I don't Please. know about that. Um I know you're a big David Peralta guy. An <laughs> obvious reunion with Jerks and Profar seems like it could easily happen. Uh, Tommy Pham's out there, so you never know. Uh, Corey Dickerson had a solid year, though he's getting older and and uh, injury prone at this point. You know they could look at a guy like like a Michael Conforto, though I feel like that's too risky for them. And I think one of the biggest guys that I'd love to have if finances weren't a question would be Mitch Haniger. I'm a big Mitch Haniger guy. Um, what do you kind of feel about the rest of that crop that we have to, to pick from? There's obviously lesser guys, but most of them are, you know, fourth outfielder bench type guys. Yeah, it's a lot of names. Let me see how many I can remember. Um, Hanniger, I'd be okay with. Um, he strikes out too much, but that's kind of okay. We don't really need more OBP now that we've got Soto, Cronenworth, etc. guys that are going to get on a lot. Um, 
you said I'm a da- big David Peralta fan. I'm not really. I just think we can get him for cheap, <laughs> and he would be a, a decent platoon option. Um, but also, he probably doesn't really fit our roster that well. Um, big no on Tommy Pham. We don't need to uh, punch anybody <laughs> over fantasy football. Uh, big no on Benintendi. There's no way I'm paying over $50 million for a guy who hits three homers a year. Um who else? Uh, Joey Gallo. What are your thoughts the, on Gallo? Yeah, that's a big question mark on Joey Gallo. Oh, and you didn't even mention Bellinger because it looks like he's going to be non-tendered today or tomorrow, whenever the deadline yeah. is. I'll get um, into him in a second. That's a big no just because he's a Dodger. Gallo is only partially a Dodger. He's like Machado. He's only, he hasn't yeah. really had time to be corrupted. Um, I mean, honestly, Gallo, I could see very, very... Uh, possible that happens because we know Preller loves his guys and Gallo was yep. his guy for sure when he was scouting in uh, in the Rangers front office but as for like you know my belief in him as a player it's pretty low after two years of very subpar production but at the same time he's exactly the kind of player that we kind of need in this lineup um, a lefty to balance out Machado and 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 uh, Tatis, and he hits bombs. You know, he hits home runs. We need that home run power. So it would be great if he was even half of his 2019 self, but he's currently about a tenth of that, and so that's not really going to work. Who else did you mention? I think the biggest one... Fordo, too expensive. Yeah, the biggest one that I think feels very real is Jerson Profar. Yeah, it's pro far. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sold on a reunion with him because I think he's looking for two reasons. I think he's looking for more money than he probably deserves, and I think his offensive profile doesn't really fit our team, which is what I just kind of was talking about with Gallo. Um, we don't need another guy like him that's going to be a high OBP, low slug guy. We need someone that's going to slug, even if it's at the cost of some OBP, just to balance out the roster. Yeah, completely. And that's that's another reason. Well, not not a complete reason, but, man, I, I would really, not even because he's a Dodger, but I would hate going after Cody Bellinger. Um, what does he do differently than Trent Grisham? Nothing. Uh, he's an elite defender in center field, and all he can do is hit you know an occasional home run, and he strikes out a ton. Yeah, I don't see why we would go after him, especially if we have nah, Grisham I, already. That, that would be pretty terrible. Yeah, I know the idea has been thrown around that Grisham could be used in a trade piece to get a bigger outfielder, like a Brian Reynolds type or um, Byron Buxton esque type guy. Though the availability of those guys this off season, the realistic possibility is low. You know, I don't like that. I really don't. Um, I'm good with we need cheap, controllable guys to perform. Yeah. A lot of people in our front office, I shouldn't say a lot, but apparently half of our front office and a lot of rival execs question our ability to maintain success while being top-heavy with the Tatis contract, Manny, Soto, uh, you know, Darvish, Snell, Musgrove contracts. And obviously Snell and Darvish will come off the books here soon. But, you know, and that's a fair question because you look at the Angels and it does not work. And year after year, it does not work. However... We, for one, have the ability to spend about $80 million more than them. And two, 
we have cheap, controllable guys that are performing. Chrono Earth has been p- playing on a rookie contract since we've had him. Uh, Hassan Kim is coming relatively cheap. The catcher position has not been expensive, though it hasn't been overly productive, but it's been not pretty cheap. And then center field, even though Grisham hasn't been great, has been a league minimum position for us. So I'm not super concerned about that. And that's a whole other reason to why I feel like we need to keep Grisham and just trust that he can figure it out. Yeah, the the young controllable talent is huge. Uh, I didn't really realize it, honestly, until we started having these big contracts on the books. Because, you know, before, when you're running $100 million payrolls every year, it's not not a big deal at all because you're not competitive and you don't not even concerned about the luxury tax. But now that we are playing in the deep end, um, those, those chrono worths, Grishams of the world are hugely, hugely valuable. And that's why teams are so hesitant to give up those players in trades. That's why it took so much to pry Juan Soto away from the nationals, even though he's not cheap by any means, he's earning over 20 million in arbitration, but that's, a heck of a lot cheaper than he would get as a free agent. So those uh, those ARB guys and even the guys uh, on Major League Minimum deals the first three years are, are hugely valuable. So, yeah, not going to get rid of Grisham, I don't think. And, yeah, as you said, no point to getting Bellinger. They're really kind of the same player at this point. Um, so I think we've covered pretty much all the holes except for dh do you have you said and i thought this was interesting you said we thought you thought we would not go to the sort of revolving door at dh um why is that and do you have someone in mind specifically to be our dh well i was more referring to um a revolving door in which we only filled like like i'm saying like currently with the team that we have we couldn't just make one addition on offense and then put together a revolving door at designated hitter because we don't have that ability. It would be, you know, the Jose Azokar, Matthew Batten platoon, which I don't think we're going to do. So, yeah, I, if we make a couple of these signings, you know, we go out and get a couple guys like a Drury or, a, you know, I don't even know, man. It's just Peralta. Let's say we get Drury and Peralta. Then it allows us to do a revolving DH type of situation. However, if we don't go out and get two guys, then we probably need to ensure we get a designated hitter because we're going to be stuck in a position where we don't have a productive DH. So, you know, I look at Josh Bell could DH for us, but he's kind of an expensive designated hitter. There's definitely going to be some trade opportunities that, uh, you know, come up come up this off season that I'm sure we're not even even thinking of uh, similarly to the Josh Hader trade. It might just be an out of nowhere situation. You can look at another trade opportunity from Oakland. Um, you know, Sean Murphy could be a potential guy that we get that would allow us to um, have him at the catcher. And if Campusano, which he might be, isn't involved in that trade, um, maybe there's some trust that he is our uh, is our DH in a, in a platoon type role, but there's just not a lot of guys I love. There's some guys that I like but not love. I guess I'll put it that way. Yeah, I think that's probably my position as well. Once we get some other offensive pieces, we'll probably fit that DH spot together. Um, I don't see us. There's not too many guys out there that are just pure DH types. Um, I could have seen Jock Peterson being an option uh, 
if Nelson Cruz was still effective, I could have seen him being an option, but he had a terrible year last year. So um, he's certainly not really a, uh, a proven guy that we would want to have. And so other than that, yeah, it's, it's looking like it's probably going to be just a mixture of guys, um, potentially a platoon, but um, yeah, we'll see how the roster shakes up. That'll probably be the last hole to be filled. Uh, and it could honestly be just, we go into spring training and see who is hitting well and, and they make the roster is kind of the last couple uh, spots in there. Yeah, last thing I'll, I'll say is I would watch for a reunion type deal trade scenario with Hunter Renfro. I think that's very like a mm-hmm. high possibility oh, yeah. if he gets non-tendered. Um, and then also if he doesn't, I could see us making a trade with them. Um, you know, they have options too. Rowdy Telez at first could be a trade option. So while I don't see it being the likeliest of scenarios, I could see Preller at some point in the offseason saying, hey, we really just don't like guys enough, and the Brewers have the guys, we have the trade connection. Um, so who knows? I just I would just say watch out for that. I think there's a, a likely possibility of that. And they would be a team that I could see taking on Pomerantz's contract. They don't have many lefties in that pen anymore that they can look for a late-ending relievers. Now they traded Hayter and they lost Taylor Rogers. So just to throw it out there as a possibility. Yeah, I don't know about Pomerantz. That's, that might be a stretch. But I, I was meaning to mention Renfro in that when we were talking about the outfielders because that seems like a perfect fit, honestly. He's exactly the type of player that we would love to have on our team. He's going to give you 30 home runs. Um, he's got good defense in right field, and that would just lengthen our lineup so much and just make it so dangerous. Yeah, and I'd be I'd be excited just as a fan to have him back. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people forget how good he was. Like you know, I was I'm saying this like he's you know a top twenty hitter and top fifty hitter in Major League Baseball, and he's not. But um, people forget how good he was with us pre-All-Star break 2019. That, like, half year before he got hurt was really, really good. Like, his OBP was just over 300 still, and it's, it's never going to be good. But he was just hitting home runs left and right, and that's exactly what we need from, a, from an acquisition this offseason. Totally. Totally agree. Um, so... Yeah, is there anything else you were wanting to touch on, or? Uh, I don't think so. Just looking forward to uh, okay. well, all, everything Preller is going to get up to this off season. Yeah, it should be a fun one, and obviously we'll uh, be you know staying staying loose with this pod, the the painting the Padres pod episodes, as you never know what can happen. But we'll be there if something big happens for sure. We'll obviously have our overall major league stuff coming out the rest of the offseason. But again, you know, a couple moves happen or, you know, if Preller does go out and get Sanga, I'd, I'd keep an eye out for an episode on one of those scenarios. But yeah, thank you guys for listening to this. Here's to Preller being Preller. Uh, I'd be shocked if it was a dull offseason, especially given where we were last year. So close to the World Series. So unless you got anything else, let's call it a day. And thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thank you. We will see you soon.